Good evening. RMN behaving badly. A topical, political, and the first time ever live on Zoom podcast all about mental health nursing in the UK. Your hosts are Stuart McKenzie and me, Ed Freshwater. Welcome to the live show. Now, normally, I go straight into asking Stuart how he is tonight, but tonight he can hang on for a minute because I'm going to spend a minute explaining what's going to go on tonight. For a start, we've never done this before, so it's going to go wrong, and one of us, probably me, is going to swear at some point fairly soon. Seriously, there's going to be some strong language tonight that normally we'd edit out, so if you're not okay with that, you're buggered. First of all, a very good evening and a warm, fuzzy welcome to all the folks joining us live on Zoom. For those listening to the podcast later on, what on earth were you doing tonight that was so important on a Saturday? Were you like working in a hospital or something? You're probably working in a hospital, that's why. Oh yeah. Anyway, in tonight's show, you're getting the live, raw, unrehearsed, and totally unedited version of this podcast. We hope it's going to be entertaining and fun and not an end in one or both of us being referred to our regulator. See, this bit's going really well because I typed all the words yesterday and I printed them out. It's the contemporaneous bits that usually go wrong. You're going to find out just how much effort goes into the editing process, if nothing else. As an aside, the bit of the podcast that takes the longest to fix is the outro, the bit where I share all of the Twitter links at the end and the production credits, which, believe it or not, usually requires about nine takes because I'll have had a couple of drams when I do it, always very late, and I can't read my own handwriting. So stick around for the end. Watch me try and get it in one go. It's going to be hilarious. Other technical stuff, we're recording this right now, and the video footage is going to be up on YouTube. So if you don't want your face all over the internet, then switch your cameras off. Please make sure your microphones are muted. Um, Don't unmute yourself unless we ask you to. Otherwise, I'll have to tell you off in front of everybody. And I think we can all agree that would just be really awkward. Uh, Tonight, Stuart and I are going to have a chat about what's happening in mental health nursing and the wider political and social context at the moment. We might even mention Matt Hancock once or twice. Uh, Then in about 20 minutes, we're going to be joined by our friend and comedian, John Scott. More about him shortly. And then we're going to have a chat with him about whatever pops into our enraged little heads. And that's the part where we want to hear from you. Uh, So send a message in the chat box to the right. Send a message on Twitter using the hashtag uh, RMNBBLive. And let us know what you think about, well, anything, really. Now... Obviously, this is a tough time for us all. This is a dangerous time to be a nurse for reasons that have been discussed and are about to be discussed tonight. We've seen colleagues from all corners of the UK and beyond become unwell and die from COVID-19. Many of us have got friends and family who've lost their lives. And while this is a whimsical and hopefully humorous podcast, Stuart and I recognize that we can't just go on with this and pretend that what's happening isn't happening. So here's what we're going to do. A lot of you know that Stuart and I have a a wee whiskey when we're recording this, and we know a lot of you join us for a dram while you're listening to the show. So if you've got your handy beverage, if it's a whiskey or a gin or a cup of tea or an iron brew, I'd invite you to just raise your glasses now and honor our colleagues who've lost their lives and are fighting this virus. 
with the absolute greatest of respect, we humbly dedicate this podcast to them. As a last night, a last minute addition to tonight's office uh, offering, and because we're lovely people who really appreciate all of you, our lovely listeners, we're going to be doing a prize draw at the uh, at the end of the show. So uh, stick around for the end when the winner of the mystery prize, and I'll tell you what it is later, um, is announced. If uh, you're up for it, we might even interview the winner. It depends if they've gone or not. And now. Finally, and assuming he's still here, I'm going to take a breath and welcome my collaborator, my co-host, Stuart McKenzie. Good evening, mate. How are you? Good evening, Ed. How are you? You well? Yes. I've, I've talked for long enough, intro. mate. You take some a couple of sentences. S- some intro. Some I know, intro. that's not happening not an, again. <laughs> no, not an easy one to do, given the, the, the last couple of weeks we've all had, but we're all here now. The numbers are ramping up and joining us. Great to see some faces that I know and some names that I know, but faces that I don't know. It's lovely to to try and bring a community spirit together at a time when we know that nursing, in particular, across all the specialties, has been taking a bit of a a bit of a hit. I think when we were running into recording this, when we made the initial idea a reality and we started having a chat with John. We were just coming at the start of the whole lockdown phase and we hadn't yet seen the, the numbers. In fact, we, we hadn't had the fabulous interview with Matt Hancock on Question Time where uh, Dame Donna asks him how many nurses had succumbed to COVID. So we're kind of, you know, two weeks on from that now and, and it's quite clear that nursing are taking an absolute hammering when it, when it comes to it and our, our medical colleagues and HP colleagues. So... I think as we run into this, I think we should give ourselves a bit of permission to decompress, have a bit of a laugh, engage in the process, and uh, and see what it takes us. Hopefully, not to an NMC conduct hearing. We'll see. We'll see. The night is yet young. Are there any? Are there any trade union officers watching? Can you scroll through the list? Just in case. Yes, they're here. They're here. Big brother is watching. Can I just say? I love the NMC. I think they're lovely people. Oh, fabulous. I, do you know, it's the best money I spend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a penny of it wasted. I would happily pay it twice over. <laughs> yeah, keep that for legal fees. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? Uh, I, I can't use it tonight, but normally when we're recording the podcast, I've got, uh, I've got a little bank of, of pre-prepared sound. Uh, edits that I can just drop in whenever one of us says something stupid. And, uh, and one of the clips just says um, this portion of the program has been redacted because one or both of us said something that was stupid, libelous, inflammatory, defamatory, or otherwise actionable. Um, but I can't use that tonight. So um, <laughs> we haven't even got a delay. So if I start rambling off, you're going to have to start waving. And you've chaired Congress before, Stuart. You know how to yeah, shut me up. As long as nobody hits a microphone, we're fine. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm the host, mate. Me. You can't switch me. I off. can see BJ up there. BJ knows this pain. So, um, <laughs> I, do you know the difficulty has been actually where to start this week in terms of material, in terms of what the political. Uh, I just can't even call it the cesspit that is Westminster has been allowing to to pass. It's like some really, it's almost like Apocalypse Now meets where meets Where's Wally looking for PPE. Yeah. 
Well, we know oh. where the Wally is. He's standing behind a lectern <laughs> in Number Ten Downing Street. But it, but it's the horror. It's the it's the it's the it's the lies. The horror. <laughs> the horror. <laughs> the, you know the the the, the fact that the, that there is PPE apparently, and it's it is that what where's Wally? He's meant to be on the page. He is meant to be there. Mm-hmm. But pre- I reckon that Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones would find it really hard to find the PPE in the UK at the moment yeah. because it's certainly not where it's supposed to be. Well, you know, it was, but then it let was, me ask this question. Yeah. See the staff that were yeah. looking after Boris, did they struggle for PPE? I don't know. I wasn't there. Mm. Do you think he did? Do you think they struggled for that down? I don't think he would have struggled for anything. No. I mean, if we'd had a good prime minister, I wouldn't have any problem with them being <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting sort of preferential treatment at all. Um, but I, I hope... Um, I, I, Careful. Do you know what? I'm going to miss out just that leave part. That <laughs> just, just leave it. Just leave it. There's just no point. There's yeah. just no point. Oh, Honestly, look, is that it, a drink? It, yeah. It, the reality of the matter is that every single one of us on this 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 chat tonight, every single nurse in the UK has been told that there's PPE. But the reality of the matter is, if there was PPE available to every single nurse and every every single doctor in the UK, why is it an issue? Why are we still talking about it? Mm-hmm. PPE, the issue with PPE shouldn't be where is, where is it? The issue should be, oh, where are we going to store it all? Where's all this PPE Absolutely. going to go? What cupboard are we going to put it in? Or will we put it down in the portals? Or will we put it in the bed store? It shouldn't be, where is it? It should be, there is so much of it, we don't know where to put it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's mostly, you know, my work has always been in the community and and, and I've, I've best part of uh, five years I've, I've been in the community i don't do a lot of um clinical procedures and, and that kind of thing but um you know my, my a lot of experience i've had has as with my son being ill has been working in uh, has been in the in the children's hospital local children's hospital now the first night that that my boy was admitted he, he was just over one year old impossible to cannulate it was this little sort of flumpy wobbly marshmallow thing and see, trying to get a line in him was virtually impossible. But clinician after clinician came in and tried to get a line in him. Now, every single time, they would crack open a needle and they would try and pop it in his arm. They would try in his foot. And, and each time, it was a brand new needle. If it didn't work, chuck it on the floor, get rid of it. Procedures he had later on in, in life, you know, when he was getting a port flush or whatever, if uh, a, a part of the procedure wasn't going as planned, the whole lot would be discarded as contaminated and we would just go, hang on a second, put a plug on this, we'll be back in a minute um, with a whole new fresh set. And you never had a question of how many syringes are you guys going through? How many wipes are you using on this? Should you actually be using that many saline dispensers? And that's where we should be at with PPE. It should not be a question. We should just be able to throw as much of this stuff at it as as we need as we, as, feel we should be we able need. to throw as much pp at this as we would bombs at a country who had natural resources that we wanted something like that if you something want to like get that. all lefty and political Stuart, i mean this is <laughs> you, you know, hardly you know, the time uh, <laughs> place so. you know but you know and, and this is the thing so so as we as we say we carpet into the, whole, bomb the place with ppe yeah <laughs> let's just drop it from the sky mm-hmm. you know there's no planes kicking about at the moment so aerospace isn't regulated 
we can use all those flyby planes that are probably <laughs> sitting somewhere, right? Branson's got his own spaceship that he wants funded, right? So the reality of the matter is we could just send tons of the stuff dropped, like something from a D-Day movie, as yeah. we segue into the militaristic jingoism that's been kicking around, right? Oh, good. I'm just, glad we brought that up. Right, right. We could, well, I could have a wobble, couldn't I? But the reality is... As we I'm glad you brought that up, Stuart. That's all right. <laughs> so as we, as we segue into that and we talk about all of the rest of it, isn't it, isn't it realistic? Do you think if there was some sort of a, in Cobra, like we're about to go and invade this, this sandy region of some part of the world that has a lot of oil to rid them of weapons of mass destruction. Do you think any colonel or general would pipe up and go, by the way, we don't have enough bullets? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you guys have actually bullets. been, you know, irresponsibly using those shells. And um, some of them... Could you reuse your bullets? We, we would quite like you to do that. So after you've shot it, go out, collect them up, give them a wipe them, bring it back. pop them back into the cartridges and shoot them again. We're not made of money. There isn't a magic bullet tree, you know? <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, the thing as well is, just like PPE, bullets and bombs have an expiry date. But it turns out, it turns out that even if you've passed the expiry date, you can go and get that kit and reuse it anyway. Mm-hmm. You just stick a new label over the top of the old one. Don't pick that label off. It's like a scab, Ed. It's like a scab. Who are you calling a scab? Come on. There's too much trade unionism to chuck around the word scab. Point of order. (laughs) You're forgetting where you you, are, Stuart. You're not the chair anymore. (laughs) Sorry, BJ. You you wrote an article this week, an opinion piece on the the militaristic line. I did. Let's promote my work. Yeah. We've been uh, chatting about that for about two months now. Uh, We've got some really quite... um, narky emails didn't we when we started talking about it uh, i was called we a did. pacifist which i sort of i'm quite happy about yeah i'm, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm <laughs> you're a pacifist yeah yeah I, I, i'm not really in favor of killing people hence nurse um you know <laughs> so yeah uh, the, the 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 militaristic um the, how we how we all fight i like the idea as well that boris is a fighter he was a real fighter <laughs> when he was when, when, when he was fighting COVID, he was a real fighter and everybody knew he was going to win. And I really wanted someone within the, the health field to turn out and go, you know, no, Boris isn't the fighter. I see the nurses and doctors that succumbed to COVID because of viral loading, because mm-hmm. they were in their work. They were fighters. Right? Yeah. And they fought for their patients. There's a real difference between Boris being a fighter in his elitist privileged position and then us having to say our farewells to colleagues and friends and see these Twitter feeds come through every day. Now, it'll not be long before we hit 100, and I'm sure we've already hit 100, with, you know, now that people are bothering their backsides to count. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tough field, that really, and I've, I've never liked the, you know, we use the word frontline, and I guess frontline is, is one of those things that it's been around for, for long enough that, that we kind of use it. But I don't like this whole concept of they were fighting this illness because of what it, um, what the connotations are for um, people with terminal illnesses, for people with chronic illnesses, because they're fighting a battle that, if you want to use that language, they're fighting a battle that they're not going to win. They're, you know, somebody with a long-term mental illness is going to have to live with that for the rest of their life. It's not a battle that they're going to use to defeat uh, the schizophrenia or the depression or the anxiety. It's something that they're going to have to accommodate. 
and and it's just a, a really uneasy um, language, I think, to use. And and I have to say, how many times has a soldier on a front line said, "My God, this place—it's just like St. Thomas's on a Thursday night." You know, we we don't <laughs> we don't use the the language of medical <laughs> scenarios in a, in a war. Have you zone. been in Sucky Hall Street? <laughs> once or twice once or twice yeah <laughs> i just survived yeah, Stuart, remind me when Saki hall street was a hospital would you <laughs> yeah. well that's what we've got that's what we've got the police running up and down it uh, it's do you know i think the, the reality of the matter is that it, it becomes all too easy because it feeds into the national psyche and when you take into it off the back of the <laughs> the, the the brexit the whole debacle around that and nationalism and what that actually meant you know, people who are on the peripheries, people who are made to live on the edge because they're not wanted, mental health patients, one of disability patients, a lot of the people who we see go through EDs, they, 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 they're, they're excluded from this. They, they don't have a, they're, they're not fighting it, they're not overcoming it, they're, they're not in the front line, they're in the peripheries. Um, they're not getting into hospital at the moment, that's for sure. Um, we, 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 need to, we need to remember, I mean, how many front lines are there? I mean, you know, Boris has opened up more front lines than Hitler. The, the reality of the matter is that, and I know, I know, but, you know, I, I'm not <laughs> talking about, I'm talking about the concept. You know, how, where, do you, where do you stop? Where is, you know, and, and what I'm loving as well is the charitable donations. See this, this man who's almost 100 that's walking around his garden. Captain Tom Moore, he, yeah. Right. Tom Moore deserves the right to sit down, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Along with all the nurses, can I say. Right, right. I really appreciate what that man's doing and his daughter to promote that. But, but there's an irony that we're raising money for the NHS at a time when the very people who cut the fund into the NHS in real terms are, are promoting a man who's nearly 100 and a veteran and he served his country. Yeah, I think that's garden. possibly the most distasteful part of it is is to have um, people who, who voted to, for the party that is destroying the NHS and, and social care and society as we know it, um, to have them going, isn't it wonderful? No, it's bloody not. It's no. absolutely appalling that it comes to a 99-year-old retired veteran to like? raise money for something that could easily be paid for with taxes. Use that with a live microphone. <laughs> right, I'm just about to skimmer through the screenshots to find out. Ed. Wait a minute. Yeah. What I would say, though, is I have to comment on this. There's a lot of really good lockdown haircuts kicking on here. <laughs> Stuart, I, I like our listeners. I'm not going to pass any comment here, okay? I, I'm just thinking that the prize should go to the best lockdown haircut. <laughs> oh, Graham Reevy, he's joined the Stray Cats. <laughs> you can make that judgment. I'm not doing it. I'm far too much of a coward. So. Oh, dear, dear. Ali Upton. Ali. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you know I think the reality of the matter is that whilst we are we're living this as, as a profession at the moment and our, our patients are, are have they've been experiencing this for years now with the Tories and and I am going to be really partisan and because we can, it's, it's our pod. The, the, the reality of the matter is this, the only thing that cheers me up is all the money they saved through austerity they're having to spend now through gritted teeth. Yeah. 
<laughs> so everything that they actually managed to claw back, now they're having to spend to, to, to bump up surfaces and opening up, you know, how, how, how hard do you think it was for a true right-wing Tory to agree to open up field hospitals and call them the Florence Nightingales? How hard do you think that was? Through gritted teeth, Stuart. How many donors do you think they almost lost? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just the Russian ones. And this isn't our job to help these poor people. This isn't our job here, what the Russian ones that drive JCBs and hoover their carpets with Dysons. <laughs> just so happened to get contracts to, to, to build ventilators. That, and just um, so happened to be donating money to the ruling party. Well, here's, here's the thing about Dysons. Which is, They're of course, a complete coincidence. Uh, I'm a mental health nurse. I don't know an awful lot about ventilators. But my understanding was that they, they blow, blow, not suck. Right? They don't suck. Dyson have made an entire industry out of sucking. And Let's just, just leave that comment <laughs> hanging. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, they want to blow. <laughs> I'm all about inclusivity. There's just a, a few too many jokes <laughs> popping into my head I right now, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and on that, uh, I would like us to just talk about uh, Matt Hancock's uh, latest little initiative um, to honour the people that are working in social care. And that's going to require a little jingle. Here we are. RMN Behaving Badly presents... Hancock's half cocked. <laughs> hey, that's not that's worked out pretty well, hasn't it? So <laughs> it was announced this uh, this week. Matt Hancock with his little hand holding a little. <laughs> it was a tiny hand. It was a Jeremy oh, Beadle hand, it was, wasn't it? Was it? Beetle, it was like it was a Beadle <laughs> hand. And do you know what the, the irony of it was the tiniest little writing of care. <laughs> that he put in there. It's just like this is how much I care. It's, it's just, we want to. Honor That's another four-letter word that I'd like to see on it and put yeah. in his lapel every single day of the week. Yeah, <laughs> and in Glasgow it'd be can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some sort of adaption of the word vajazzle on there that would have worked very nicely. But what is this deal with metalwork? They want to, you know, there's all this talk about give... I've got loads of separate bullets. Yeah. They've taken all the bullets they're not using and they've made them into badges. It, it is just this, it, it again feeds into this whole um, sort of militaristic language of, of you should be rewarded with a medal and, and you should get a badge that you should, that, you know, a, a unit citation or something. And it just kind of got me thinking about... Who are the who are the people that are promoting this? Who are the people that are, are coming up with these ideas? And what's their background? Because I, quiet, I think bat as, people. as yeah, the quiet bat people. The, the quiet bat people. Um, I mean, as mental health nurses, you and I know that a person's context is really important uh, to understanding where they're coming from. And if we look at the context of the people that are making these decisions, they're really bloody rich. You know, none of them have ever wanted for anything. Quite a lot of them went off to uh, really fancy private schools. You know, they've had fantastic educations. And they've come from... Hi, Teresa, switch your mic off. 
Um, <laughs> that's you, Tal. I'm landing. Yeah, you're really not. I'm going to have to click mute again. <laughs> uh, Teresa, consider that a yellow card. That is you. That's your wrist slapped. That's it. I'm, I'm so glad I had, I feel quite tough doing this. This Is this what it's like to be chair of Congress, Stuart? Oh, yeah. I yeah. can Wait, silence you. <laughs> 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 the power is outrageous. I know. And we didn't even give them cards. <laughs> it's like a drug, this. But anyway, <laughs> like the people that, that are making these decisions, you know, they went to Eton, they went to Cambridge, they, they were part of that privileged set. And are they seeing, do they see war as a sort of game? Do they see this pandemic as a kind of war, therefore some kind of game? Because if you look at the history of, the, of those elite classes, and this is where I start getting really sort of shouty and, and ready to sing the Internationale. Hold your right? drink, hold your drink, just yeah, hold your oh, drink. Just hold that before I start banging <laughs> the microphones. But to them, sending hundreds of thousands of people into harm's way to achieve a goal was just, that's what you do in the, in the same way that, you know, Josiah Arkwright would have, would have seen the, the workers in his factories, not as human beings, but as expendable resources in the, you know, in the same way that cotton or coal or, or wood would have been used just as a means to achieve his ends. Well, that's, that's exactly the kind of, where we're at. You know, they, they view people as disposable. They view conflict and, and war and disasters as games, and they want to reward them with little trinkets and gongs and baubles. And, and that's, that's where we're at. And there's no sort of humanity. There's no respecting people as people and rewarding them for the risks that they take on. I mean, let's face it, every single clinician that's listening to this show tonight, every, every single person that is working in the health service or in the care sector is taking on vastly more risk than any of the people making the decisions. But that's never been any other way. No. That's Until now, been... comrades, we're going to storm parliament. Who's <laughs> right. with me? Never, that's no. never been any other way. Yeah. Thank you, Anthony, for starting to type out uh, "Stand up, all victims of oppression." (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, I'll just hoist this flag that I've got here. No, why do you think we chose red for the logo? By the way, (laughs) (laughs) we're in a we're in a a situation where we shouldn't be surprised by Mm -hmm. the actions of these individuals, and they 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 don't even make any attempt to try and appear empathic or sympathetic to whatever it is that we're we're taking on as a profession. Every every single nurse, regardless of their area of expertise or their area of work that goes into work at the moment, our entire services have been reconfigured, re, um, redeveloped, our mobilisation plans have been put in place which have an impact on our, our statute, our care that we would provide on a daily and a regular basis. And for, for those people with mental health problems who were, you know, I genuinely believed we had we developed services to to look after them in a way that was collaborative, that was was shared at very much the services that I, I, I know. In a heartbeat that's all taken away. Mm-hmm. Because everything goes to the fire, everything runs to the fire. Oh, when the reality is, we now know that there would be a third and a fourth wave here. Mm-hmm. 
when this hits, the impact of people being at their homes, people being in lockdown, people being away from school, families forced to be together for extended periods of time. When you live in that elite class, you're not thinking like that because you've got people who do things for you. You're not accessing the same services. You're not needing to go out and actually go to a GP and say, I need something. I'm feeling this way. If you've got no context to reality, then I, I pity them. I do. I turn it around and I, and I pity that, that, that elitist, that, that professional political agenda that people have. And in terms of Matt with the badge, you know, He's, I mean, we've been saying this for months now. Whoever's advising Matt is either having a laugh, yeah, or genuinely every time he, whether it's 50,000 nurses, 50,000 trees, little badges, how many weeks did it take to come up with the care badge? Only because last week someone asked how many people are dying in care homes. Mm-hmm. Right? How do you. Shit, I haven't got an answer. Come up with a badge. Have a badge. You know, and, and the reality is that he genuinely thinks it's the look at the shiny, shiny. Mm-hmm. Look at the shiny, shiny. Have the, have the badge. Look at the giant hand with the tiny badge because that's <laughs> exactly, that's exactly when people, and, and I have to have a go here at, our, at you know, at, at the, the left here as well because now is exactly the time to be questioning this. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yes. Right, and my, my, my good lady wife and I had a discussion about it, about the, you know, the, the balance up of this because I was going off on one and she's really good at reining me You in. were going off on one, Stuart? Absolutely. And, oh. and it might be... What it would might that be, look like? It might be uh, the reality that um, now might not be the time to look at certain things, but I tell you what it is, the absolute kind of imperative to look at is where, we, where the power is and where the power base is, the number of registered nurses, the number of doctors in the UK. The previous health minister drove the medical services into the ground, and he was the first health minister to get doctors to actually strike. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's quite an achievement. Well done. Right, which is quite an achievement. I mean, you can look, you look at that. I mean, it's somewhere in the 1922 club or whatever they call it, the lap dancing barber or the Tories go, right? Allegedly. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Allegedly. When, when you go there and they talk about it, they'll be like, yes, yes, yes. He was, a, You know, that whole idea of the picture of the explorer on the wall that planted a flag in a far-off land and claimed it for the empire? Yes, yes, yes. You know, Jeremy made the junior doctors yield and he changed their profession. What did Matt do? Well, he gave them a badge. Yeah. Right, he gave them a badge. It's pathetic. I'd rather he actually stood up and became more of the autocratic, militaristic leader that he wants to be. But actually, at the end, I don't think it's him. I, I genuinely don't think it's him. He's a stuffed shirt. It, He's it, a complete it, stuffed it's shirt. It's just a noise. It's just the noise that is made. And the daily briefs are becoming more and more noise. And, you know, can, Ed, can I ask you how, how, you know, how do we know how many numbers we have here tonight? Um, well, uh, that's, uh, that's definitely a, a question for somebody else to answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we might be in breach of some sort of GDPR, FAI type site legislation mm-hmm. that we're just about to make up. That I would, says uh, we can't give you a number because we've conflated that with names. Well, I would, I would love to tell you uh, how many people are uh, listening to this show at the moment, but unfortunately, I had, don't have consent from the families of the listeners to release that information at the moment. Yeah. Maybe because Incidentally, John do, Scott, you, uh, do you like my new haircut? 
no no let's not let's not because we don't know what it's like to hold such a significant office yeah so you better just shut up just shut up you don't know man you weren't there you, it's like it's like Charlie in the tree line. It's Nam. It's Nam sixty-eight all over again. It's the Tet Offensive. You know the reality is that when someone says to you, "You don't know what it was like," well, do you know what I have to tell you? As a mental health nurse of over twenty years, never once have I said to a patient, "Well, yeah, I really get what it's like to hear voices." I, I, I'm all over that. Mm-hmm. You know, but when someone says to me, "You don't know what it's like to hold this office," well, let me point out to you: when there's only seven positions. Available to a registered nurse, and there's nearly seven hundred thousand registers in the U- registered nurses in the UK. I don't think we need Matt Hancock to do the maths on yeah. what the likelihood is of me being a CNO. So, um, you mentioned Jeremy Hunt there. Um, obviously, Matt guy. Hancock's uh, predecessor. He's a good guy. Aye, nice for Arthur. Right. So, <laughs> I, I made this jingle. And I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh, yeah. Oh, listen, everybody You're... should know. Wait a minute. Everybody should know. Ed made this jingle. And we've been waiting to use this jingle for about three months. Right. So please. So I'm going to put you listen. on the spot and ask you who are you going to choose as your favourite Tory health minister? Which one, Hancock or Hunt? Do we have a who wants to be a millionaire where I could just scroll through all these people here and phone a friend? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, the answer is C, neither of them. I'd rather have a flipping Duracell bunny in charge of the health service. (laughs) Oh, well, I... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know in terms of. I mean, if I had to choose, it's like a really perverse game of shag, marry, push off a bridge. Because if you had to. If you, Who if, says you can't do all three, Stuart? <laughs> exactly. Do you know? <laughs> with the, with, <laughs> by the time this is over, I might actually get access to legal aid. So, hey, do you know what? <laughs> well, we're both going to need it at this rate, Stuart. Um, on which. Uh, on which Happy, happy point. I think uh, we've probably chattered enough yeah, we should for a minute. We've got a fantastic guest. gentleman waiting uh, to give some of his perspectives. Stuart, give us some lowdown on our guest tonight. Yeah. Our guest tonight is an absolute gentleman and a, a legend in the, the comedy circuit. He's someone who has already performed for the, the nursing comedy night and is well known to the Royal College of Nursing uh, regulars at comedy night. John has a very, very unique perspective uh, in, in terms of delivering his comedy from understanding the the needs to express his experience of lived experience with mental health issues and also having worked uh, in our field. And I, I think that gives him an absolutely unique uh, insight into what it is that, that, that we do and what we do to people and I'm absolutely sure that our listeners will, will love the material he has for us and I think we should also whilst he won't be able to hear the round of applause uh, charge your glasses because it's a really difficult time for artists and, and comedians you know clubs are shut um, so we can't go and make money pubs are shut so we can't go and spend money and um, you can't get a haircut 
So, you know, <laughs> 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 you beforehand. it's the Stuart Lee look. This is a it's the Stuart Lee look. So, um, I really hope that the listeners enjoy his material. I know they will, I know they will, and we should just all mute our mics and go over to John but, and be mindful delivering comedy to a load of faces that can't laugh back at you. Oh. <laughs> you can heckle, send your tweets via heckle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, John. Over to you. Okay, are we on? Can, can everybody hear me? I can't see myself, but uh, everybody, you. that's great. You were asking first how many people are listening. I can see it at 600,410,072 is listening tonight. So I'm going to do a quick disclaimer, right? Uh, these guys are two of the best gentlemen I've ever met, right? So everything that happens over the next 20 minutes, they don't know what's going to happen. So if any fucker wants to sue, you have to sue me, okay? So I'm just going to get straight on with my little show. So good evening, my name's John Scott. Or Jock Scott is what I get called at home. It's a very Scottish name. I've got a cousin from Yorkshire called Hovis Broadband Miner Strike. And I live down in Newcastle. I miss Scotland. I miss the directness of the Scottish people. I was up in Glasgow just before this happened. I love the Glasgow side of Scotland. The very, I, I was in Glasgow, and you know you get a backhanded compliment. It was a sunny day, and I got this backhanded insult. And I don't think the guy even meant to insult me, right? A sunny day, and I was maybe dressed about arts and crafts for Sucky Hall Street, right? I was wearing a floral shirt, a pair of linen trousers, a pair of Jesus sandals, and a Panama hat just blending in in Glasgow, inspecting my lemon groves. And I walked past this young guy, and he turned around and he went, you wanker. And when I turned around, he went, no, mate, I wasn't talking to you. I was shouting to my friend over there but I can see why you turned around. So good. So that's a couple of jokes to get us started, right? But what I'm really going to talk about tonight is, as the guys say, is mental health. I have a bipolar disorder. Uh, the more acute end of it, I've got bipolar one. None of you are bipolar light for me. I was at 25. I was misdiagnosed with schizophrenia, but I got better. I got better, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to catch it again. But I think the good thing about entertainment now is a lot of us are getting a bit more open, in the arts especially, about mental health. There's actually quite a few bipolar comedians out there. I was thinking again, I saw the gather and forming a jazz band and calling ourselves Mood Swings. So, uh, so obviously, you'll know that, that mental health affects one in four of us or four in one of us, depending on your condition. That's a bad joke. I won't do that again. But as you'll know, I mean, your mental health workers, the human mind, it's a delicate thing. It's a delicate thing. They say that all that separates us uh, for the animals is the ability to do that, you know, to touch your thumb or your forefinger. That and I'm not afraid of the Hoover. So it's funny, I'm looking at these notes. I did this show about a month ago, and it's because I talk also, as well as talking about mental health, I'll talk about topical stuff. And a month ago, the big story was Philip Schofield's gay. Uh, and it's amazing how things have changed in a month. Uh, I mean, because when that came out, it was such a revelation. Like people, it was like when, when Kennedy was assassinated, you'll remember where you were when you heard it. You know, I know, I know where I was. I was, I was getting wanked off by Philip Schofield. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what can I tell you? Um, why do a show? Why do a show about mental health? Well, because I, I never wanted to be, I didn't want to, I've been a comedian 20, 21 years. I never wanted to be defined as a mental health comedian. I don't mind it. Now, I was more famous back in the day for, for doing stuff. Well, I, I rinsed Nick Clegg when he was the deputy prime minister on the radio. Uh, Nick was going to do a thing for charity where he was going to do five minutes of comedy. So they got me on the radio to coach him. And I said to him, Nick, what if it goes wrong? Have you got an emergency joke? And he went, I haven't. I went, well, I'll give you one. I went, why did the chicken cross the road? He went, I don't know. I went to form a coalition with the vultures, you treacherous cunt. So uh, there we go. That's that C word there. We can maybe beat that as we go through the night. Um, 
it's weird to say that comedians should actually stay out of politics, but you know the, the the prime minister's a clown and the president's a game show host. So you know you you keep putting my work and I'll keep putting yours. Like, I mean, what can we say before I get onto the mental health stuff about our current leader, Boris Johnson? It's amazing that we should have guessed that when Boris Johnson became father of the nation, we probably would never see him. Like, you know. Um, I can guarantee as a self-employed person, he's not going to be waiting until June for his wages. And whether he's riddled with COVID or not, I'll still won't shake his hand. Um, he's, he's, it was amazing, Boris. He was elected with like a one man with one idea. And I'm yet waiting to hear what the idea actually is. Like, you know. But uh, I, I actually think if the government is really serious about uh, killing coronavirus, they would declare it fit for work. So I'll stop with the politics for a second. We'll go back to the mental health. Uh, I don't need to tell you, I often get asked for people uh, to, like, what's a delusion? Because, like, bipolar one can obviously come with psychosis and delusions. It was interesting to say it's it's relevant to your world. I was raised in a religious background. So when I was ill, I used to think scary things like hell was real, which is a a very frightening delusion to have. Like, I was, you know, um, I I was raised in Scotland. Church of Scotland, very Scottish. We had this very ferocious Scottish Presbyterian minister. I remember we used to go to church, uh, to Sunday school. And, uh, and he, would, he would put some biscuits and fruit at the end of the day and he would go, take one biscuit only because God is watching you. And I'd get up the other end of the table nicking some fruit thinking, fuck it, he's got his eyes on the biscuits. But, uh, but I mean, sometimes we need little delusions in our life, don't we? I've noticed with young people just now, they've got a bit of an obsession with unicorns. You know, they're putting glitter in their beard and their hair up. And, and I must admit, if I was a young person right now living on less than minimum wage on a zero hours contract, working 70 hours a week, no hope of your house, paying off 50 grand's worth of student debt, I'd pretend as a fucking unicorn as well. And it was because of a young man approached me that I decided to show. I first spoke openly a night about mental health with other comedians, and a young guy approached me, he was studying to be a dentist, and he'd just been diagnosed with schizophrenia, he was showing some of the symptoms. Uh, I don't have to tell you, you know, some of the, the more... Uh, acute symptoms in mental health is you now you can see things that aren't there, you can hear things that aren't there, you can smell things that aren't there. I, had, I only had that once when I first, when I was 25 and the, and the condition was first hitting me, I was on a bus and I, I thought somebody had done a poo on the bus and uh, it was a terrible smell I was smelling. And I got off the bus and I could still smell the poo and I thought, it's me, it's me that's done the poo, but surely I would know, but it, it was actually a hallucination. But I, I write a blog with a woman who's uh, a qualified GP, but she's had a fair bit of really acute mental health stuff going on there. She, she has auditory hallucinations, you know, she hears voices, and that's quite a distressing thing. But we were having a laugh about it, because like, people, when they first hear voices, they often think it's God. And the voices say quite negative things like, you've got shit here, or, or kill the neighbours. And, and we were just having a laugh going, why does God never say anything sensible to the mentally ill? Like, you know, hello, this is God. Maybe it's time you tidied the house. Have you ever thought about switching to a cheaper energy supplier? So, you know, stuff like that. So, what can I tell you? And bipolar delusions, as you'll know, they, they, we, we can often get quite elated. We think we were on a special mission and we've got special powers. We tend to get a bit Jesus-y at times, which can be interesting if you're on a psychiatric ward as a patient and there's a couple of messiahs on, you know, everybody just takes over the shift at points. <coughs> Excuse me, I cough. Uh, <coughs> we actually... I actually worked in the Royal Edinburgh for a wee bit as well as a nursing assistant. We had an interesting situation once where we had a guy arrive who was claiming to be the editor of the Financial Times. And we were like, oh, we've never, never had an editor of the Financial Times before. And it turned out he was the editor of the Financial Times. And quite an interesting thing happened that he had to go for an eye check at, at the, the regular hospital. So they sent me out 
to escort him across Edinburgh, not knowing that I had a paranoid condition as well. And so as we're walking the streets, this guy starts going to me, the editor of the Financial Times, going, those guys in the suits, they're the ones that are after me. And I'm going, fucking hell, are they? Rather than uh, sort of reassuring the guy, but what can I say? So, but thinking you're on a special mission or you've got special powers, I mean, that just sums up half the bastards that are in charge of the planet just now as well. So who's really deluded? I mean, you've got Donald Trump there. He's chasing the American dream. He could do with the exercise, the fat get. And, uh, God, and, and we've been talking about this war analogies that we are using <coughs> in this stuff all the time. I mean, uh, how do you get America to join a war? Tell them it's nearly finished. It's interesting that Donald Trump stopped the money to the World Health Organization because he says they're China-centric. Unfortunately for America, COVID-19 isn't. Uh, so, ugh, I don't know, what can I tell you? <clears throat> Here's the thing about war situations as well. I, I don't like that language getting used. Um, one, mainly because these guys don't fight wars, do they? If you, I mean, if you go back to the, the elite's ancestors, a typical war was, okay, right, we're, we're going to send in the Scottish people first. And we've got, how many Scots have we got? We've got about 90 Scots, okay? So you're going to go over that hill and you're going to fight 12,000 Zulus and about 12, 15, you'll all be dead, but we'll give you a lovely round of applause, which is kind of the situation that you're dealing with as well. Uh, I, I, I was once, I was never in a war situation, but I was once, <coughs> I went to Egypt when the, when the, <coughs> excuse me, when the Arab Spring happened. I'm going to get a drink. I went to Egypt when they were having a revolution. Now, I didn't plan it that way. I'm no Scottish and frugal and went, no, Egypt's in flames. That'll be cheap. Basically, I booked a holiday and I couldn't get my money back. <clears throat> so I, uh, I, I was quite scared to go, but my wife's a Geordie. She's very stoic. This is genuinely what my wife said. We were watching the riots in Egypt. Four days into the riots, we were leaving the next day. My wife said to me, have you noticed on the telly, everybody in Egypt's wearing jackets and long sleeves? I hope it's going to be warmer where we're going. And I was just like, pet, I'm hoping they're not going to be running around with my head on a pole, like, you know, but it was great when we got there. For safety reasons, we, uh, we got upgraded. We got put in, put in bigger uh, hotels for safety. But British people don't like change. There was a posh guy checking in in front of me. And he said to young Egyptian on the desk, he went, I'm not moving hotel. He says, I want to speak to someone in charge. Uh, and the young Egyptian guy on the desk was brilliant. He just laughed and went, listen, sir, you're missing the point. Nobody's in charge, okay? We're having a revolution. And my wife said to me, by the way, don't you get pissed and start banging on the Egyptians about revolutions. <coughs> excuse me. Because we've got quite, <coughs> excuse me. I'm Scottish. We've got quite romantic ideas about revolutions. We're shit at them, but we've got romantic ideas about them. And that just put the idea in my head. At the end of the night, I did get pissed. And it rounded up four bar staff. And a toilet attendant has gone, come on, we'll paint ourselves blue and we'll fuck up Israel. Anyway, so, so the thing is, this will give you an idea of what life is like for people that actually live in warlike conditions. This really happened right in Egypt. Uh, we flew with Thomas Cook. And one night there was a hotel a mile down the road. They were Thomas Cook as well. And they were having a quiz night and it was advertised in our hotel. So I said to my holiday rep, I says, can we go to the Thomas Cook quiz night? And she went, you can. She says, you can. She says, but because of the situation, because of the situation, halfway down the road, there's an armed security checkpoint. Just say you're with the Thomas Cook quiz night and they'll let you through. <laughs> no, really? That gets you unfettered access to the Middle East. Well, we could have saved ourselves a lot of trouble in Iraq with that one, couldn't we? Just turn up on the Iraqi border. What do you lot want? Nothing. We're with the Thomas Cook quiz night. <laughs> Where are you going with all that oil? It's first prize. So anyway, I'll get back, I'll get back to the, uh, the mental health and the general save the NHS, for God's sake. Chris, I might be going down with this, this cough I'm getting here. Save the NHS. I, uh, God, there are many times my family has had to rely on the NHS because we're Scottish, you know, that's part of it. My dad, 
as an NHS pacemaker, it was a bit shit every time he farted, the garage door would open light, you know, but uh, but my dad, my dad, when he, he was a builder, he died with white asbestos, white asbestos all through him, and the funeral was lovely, it was so well attended, but the, the cremation went on forever, it really did, but uh, but save the NHS, save the NHS, my mum just got a new hip on the NHS, it's great, uh, NHS. it's great, you press her head now, she takes a penalty, but I think what I'm fed up of hearing about the NHS, when I hear it for the Tories in the right wing, they go, oh well, you, you can't expect everything for free forever. It's like we don't, it's not free. We fucking pay for it. We pay for it collectively, like socially, you know, as a society. I'm an ex-smoker. The amount of tax that I've paid alone on cigarettes, it means when my, it comes my time, I want a golden bedpan, you know, and I want to be surrounded by women dressed as nurses as opposed to accountants, like, you know. There's been some appalling things said by this government about the NHS. Um, there was a time it came out in the news that some nurses were relying on food banks and Theresa May said there's many complicated reasons that nurses are using food banks. And at the time I thought, yeah, I can think of 320 reasons and every single one of them's a fucking Tory MP. Like, you know, David Cameron himself, I remember he said about uh, food banks, he says, well, uh, the reason that more people are using food banks is because more people are aware of them. And I was like, yeah, because once one person has malnutrition, every fucker wants it, mate, you know. So, and I'm not making light of the whole mental health thing here as I go. I know it can be a, a serious, it can be a life-threatening condition. I had, a, I had a, a suicide attempt. I think it was more of a cry for help when I was about 25. I had the breakup of a relationship. And so, and I was immediately taken into hospital. And again, maybe the, the NHS was even a bit underfunded then because what happened was actually quite funny. I was, getting, I, I was getting hooked up to the heart monitor machine and they were putting the pads on me and the machine was going beep, beep. And then suddenly it just went beep, right? And the nurse went, oh, don't worry, it does that. <laughs> but if it does it during the night, just come and get me. Well, I was like, oh, right, yeah. So I put a sheet over my head and went, it's done it again. Like, yeah, but um, support is how we get through uh, acute mental health. I, this is a true story as well. It started with me getting uh, the, the diagnosis for bipolar. I phoned a, a bipolar helpline in Glasgow. This is a true story as well. And... Uh, so I got, I got through to the woman and, and I was telling her a bit about myself and I mentioned that I did a bit of comedy and she went, oh, what's your name? And I went, it's John Scott. <coughs> and she went, no, it was, a, it was a different guy that I saw. But at the time I had a stage name, John Little John. And I said, no, I've got a stage name, John Little John. And, and this woman on this bipolar helpline went, oh, I saw you at the Stan Comedy Club in Glasgow a month ago. You're definitely bipolar, which was an interesting thing to happen over a phone months away for, for, for that. And it made me just think, I wish more comedians would actually maybe phone helplines like that. It's like, hello, it's Jack Whitehall. I might be mental. No, you're just a cunt. Uh, anyway, so what else can I wind? I'm going to wind up on the whole thing just now. Uh, I should probably tell a couple of jokes about COVID-19. That we, we had that terrible situation with the, um, the panic buying, of the, of the loo roll. That affected me. I was in a supermarket one day and I, I, I you know, I went to the, the shelves, the Luro was gone. So I went to customer services and I went, is there any Luro? And, and the woman just gave me a filthy look and she went, no, there isn't any Luro. And the embarrassment of having to walk back to the toilet with my trousers around my ankles was, uh, was quite bad. And, uh, and also, <clears throat> look, the thing about trying to watch for COVID-19 in this house is my wife is going through the menopause right now. So if she can't go to back, back to work every time she has a hot flush or a temperature, she's not going to be back at work till about 2025 or something, I think. Like, yeah. So, so anyway, that's my wee bit of comedy. I think I've nearly hit the 20 minutes there. All of an ask folk that are watching, if you want to see any more of the, the stuff on mental health, find John Scott, comedian and writer on YouTube, and just make comments about the video and that. And uh, 
Best of luck to you guys. I, I hate what this government is doing to you just now, and, and I just wish you all the best for what you're having to deal with. And, you know, I'm actually, I've taken up a job in front, no, I hate that, frontline services myself as well. But yeah, I'm going to work at supported accommodation and mental health now, because weirdly, comedians are only high in demand at the moment. So. <laughs> Can I, can I just ask everybody to open their mics up and just give John a massive round of applause, please? Hang on, oh, I've, I've got to do that. I've got to unmute all. Everybody, thank you very much, John. Hi, Becky. Hey. <laughs> Linda, stick your head in front of a camera. Hi, <laughs> Katie. Thank you, everybody, indeed. I, I have to say, for anybody who's spent any amount of time in comedy clubs, if you've been around comedy Years. BJ. Hello, Jeff. Right, everybody, you need to mute your microphones again now. So. <laughs> don't you uh, do that? Why don't you? Hello, I've, I've even I've even muted Stuart now. God, what a feeling of power that is. Now all I've got to do is go through the list and find Stuart again so that I can unmute his microphone. Otherwise, I'm doing the rest of this evening's show. I've unmuted myself. Oh, thank God I've still got that. <laughs> I was just having a little bit of a panic of... of... <laughs> <laughs> don't, make, I, don't, uh, don't make me freeform this until the end. For anybody who has spent any time in comedy clubs or around comedians, that is not an easy thing. Stand in front of people and get the feedback and be able to change your, 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 your material or adapt it. John had none of that tonight. And to be able to be on the other end of a, a small screen and be able to deliver that. I, I just, I'm in absolute awe of that, John. And really genuinely thank you for sharing as well, because I know that you're comfortable in that sharing, but that's taken you a long time to get to that place to be able to share. So as a mental health nurse over 20 years, mm. I have to say that it's really inspiring to hear someone be able to use their lived experience and take some of the positives out of that and, and deliver that back to a, a, a room full of nurses tonight. So um, genuinely for me, John, Pleasure thank you very much. Yeah, and yeah. for me, thank you very much indeed. No worries. So for the last part of uh, tonight, our plan was to uh, get some questions from uh, from our fine bunch of listeners and, and have a chat through uh, what's going on. So um, if you're okay with this, Stuart, I'm just going to crack on. With the uh, with the first question that we got from um, from one of our most esteemed colleagues, Jeff. Can, no, uh, no, no, no. Wait a minute. This oh, is like sorry. the coronavirus. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God, I've not sorry. been briefed. My aide wasn't briefed on this question. How am I going to deflect if you've not told me what it is? The fuck I'm deflecting. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely certain you're going to want to take this one, Stuart. All right. Okay. <laughs> Stuart from our forty-seven thousand nine hundred and forty-one million. From our esteemed colleague, Jeff Earl, he wants to know, is it safe to reuse PPE and does the same apply to condoms? <laughs> I've got to say, my, my, first, my first response to that is, it depends entirely what you're planning to do with it. Um, <laughs> my second response is that I'm in the same house as my wife, so I'm not going to respond. <laughs> and, uh, and also, your wife is watching the show tonight as well. <laughs> I will say, on the subject of PPE, I, th I think I've, I've been really just bowled over by the generosity of so many uh, members of the public who have um, who've given up their time and their resources uh, to be making sets of scrubs for, um, for nurses uh, across the UK. And just one of those 
what the hell kind of situation are we in where we're asking volunteers to uh, just use whatever they've got in their cupboards to make a set of scrubs for medics because we've run out of the stuff. But um, my mum uh, up in Shetland has, uh, has, been ma- uh, has been making some scrubs um, with what she had left over. No blue, no green. Everybody's got something colorful with a pattern on it because she usually makes stuff for my kids. Um, she sent us down some stuff and this is my little thing. I mean, what on wait, wait earth? A minute, Ed, Ed, if you just How stop talking, if you just stop talking, wait a minute, for those of us who were alive in the 80s, follow this, right? A voice of an actor will now release that of this terrorist from Northern Ireland. We, the people of... Sinn <laughs> Féin is a legitimate political party. <laughs> the yes. nurses say no, we will not reuse our PPE ever, never. Never will we reuse it. <laughs> you might be wondering how much time of the show is left. You have 15 minutes. <laughs> Zulu, X-Ray, Foxtrot 74. You told me not to say that because we get picked up by MI5. But um, I think we're getting picked up anyway. <laughs> I think we're probably... Uh, this is the end of our careers. I'm going to go and get a job at Lidl, isn't it? <laughs> Can I just, I'm going what? to work with John. Yeah, but... My God, what kind of situation is it where, where my mum is sending me down these? And not only that, she sent, she sent some for my kids as well, right? So we've got these miniature-sized little reusable she knows, face masks. She knows that you're living in a bubble at the moment, right? Is, so you can yeah. only give each other it. Yeah, I know, we're not going outside. But it is simultaneously the cutest and most horrifying thing that I've ever experienced. <laughs> That's really sweet. Oh God, we're gonna die! Uh, <laughs> but at least you'll be wearing a mask that Nana sent yeah. you. And at least, <laughs> and it's got pretty bunnies on it. So it's so it's not. I love you in the moon and back. It's not a bunny. It's oh. a hair. Oh God. Yeah. So that was that was question. I don't think we've even answered Jeff's question, have we? So but, question, Jeff. If you feel like washing out and reusing a condom, crack on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Jeff Earl. Thank you very much. <laughs> this has come from uh, from another one of our colleagues and uh, somebody that that uh, I know that uh, you and I both hold in the highest of regard. Uh, our our dear colleague Rod Thompson, who's asking, does Matt Hancock's new green care badge stand for can't adequately resource equipment? Um, oh, it's very good. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Thank you very oh, much, Rod. Uh, it's as always <laughs> wonderful to hear your comments, and they are. Um, your comments when when they are, when they're needed are fantastically phrased. Thank you very much indeed, Rod. Um, letter acronym. Yeah, I I, I I did want to just uh, pick up on uh, a comment that another one of our dear friends has made on Twitter, uh, Phil Noise, who was saying that on the back of the uh, back of the the little badge there isn't a pin. There's just a tiny little prick, and. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> I'm uh, you can now see why John's doing this. You've got to see him at the stand, you'll go. I heard that before. Yeah. Is that that bipolar guy stealing <laughs> he's stealing stuff off it? What's that about used condoms and badges with pricks in them? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, oh. <laughs> thank you, Paul, for saying not so tiny, massive one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's all about scale, isn't it? It's like a war. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about scale. Oh, God, you know. stop it about the bloody war. Honestly. <laughs> Are we just not fed up with hearing about that? <laughs> no, young man. Over the top or I'll fire my pistol in your face. <laughs> <laughs> That's Lacking, not a euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> Lacking moral fibre, all of you. Uh, clearly. <laughs> so we've got yeah. a, a couple of other questions. We've got uh, one from a... a, a Good colleague who is a uh, third year um, student uh, student now. She's uh, just coming to the end. That I really hope that was a bottle being uncorked there. <laughs> it's me washing my used condom. <laughs> I thought this I've was going to be you so speechless. <laughs> I thought this was going to be highbrow, Stuart. I really thought. You never thought it was going to be I didn't high brown. Think that at you all. can put on a tie, you can <laughs> iron a shirt. <laughs> mutton dressed as mutton. Hawking uh-huh. <laughs> um, your mutton. Yeah. So uh, we got a question from, uh, from Wayne, who's a, a third year mental health nursing student. Uh, what words of wisdom do we have for somebody who's just coming to the end of their training? Now, normally, I think. A nurse would answer that question with a bit of a, a try, attempt at humor and just go, oh, run away as fast as you can. But seriously, take, take that question seriously for a moment. Right now, uh, well, over, over the last 10 years, we've lost 10% of the mental health nursing workforce in the, in the UK. We've lost thousands of colleagues. We've lost thousands of posts. And, uh, and we're really, really struggling. So what would your advice be to, to someone who's starting out in their career? Just to put you on the spot, Stuart, come yeah, on something you. good. Yeah. Well, the first thing I'd do is wash your hands. Now, the reason I'm telling you to wash your hands is because I reckon that by the end of this crisis, we'll have used so much alcohol gel that every nurse will no longer have a fingerprint. So we'll be able to commit <laughs> so many crimes. <laughs> right? We'll be like Spider-Man with suction pads. <laughs> so first of all, wash your hands. Second of all, the one thing that I've been, and I, and I say this sincerely, so for one minute breaking from the humour, what has, has made me really proud to be a mental health nurse is how, how much traction is actually being generated around well-being, well-being for us as nurses, well-being for our colleagues working in acute care who've been denied supervision, who've been denied uh, psychological support for years and years because it's never been available to them. And putting aside the wobble room stuff, I don't care. The fact that there's actually traction there to keep people safe. So if you're coming into the profession right now, now's a really good time to be able to engage in that. Take the time. Don't walk away. Don't be blasé about it. Spend time with your colleagues after a shift. It's also a really good time to learn because these things come along in generations. And if you look around at the moment at people who've been around you, I'm looking through who's watching this tonight. And I say this with genuine sincerity. There are people in their careers who I'm absolutely in awe of. Um, I'm not going to name people for um, for sake oh, of uh, embarrassing them. Uh, but, but people like BJ Walthall, like Roy Thompson, like Billy Drysdale, uh, people who I know who've made a significant difference in their career, people like Jeff Errol, who I was a student member with in the 90s and have retired, have come back and are doing different things. I know you've not retired, Billy, but to be fair, most of the kids think you're a character for Harry Potter anyway. <laughs> so, 
to, you know, you're the, a mental the, health nurse, the, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> you're a pediatric nurse who's actually <laughs> a bloody giant. So, so the reality of the matter is, uh, come see my dragon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a tiny wee prick attached to the back of it called Matt. So, the, the reality of the matter for me is look around because there are nurses surrounding you at the moment, and the next time this comes along, they're not going to be there. Learn from them, watch listen to them, allow them to pass on to you experience, exposure that, Jeff, and I don't mean the exposure you're thinking, exposure. (laughs) (laughs) With your second-hand condom. (laughs) (laughs) Because, as we've seen recently, I've signed off an awful lot of retirements in the last few years as a manager, and see some of the nurses, I wish I had them back right now. Because see these students coming through, they could really do with them. They could do with those people, guiding them, chaperoning them, taking them aside with the, the ability and the eloquence of experience to say, do you know what, listen, it's going to be all right. It might be shit. It might feel tough. But you know what, it's going to be all right because you're part of something bigger here. And, and surely that's why we're all here tonight. It's about being part of something bigger. So just listen. And don't anybody who tells you, run away, or this is bollocks. It's no. It's the greatest profession in the world. It's oh, a bloody right. privilege. Right. It's a bloody privilege to be able to spend time with people, whether they're dying, whether they're psychotic, whether they just need you to tell them it's going to be all right. Just listen. Don't ever do what these politicians are doing and patronise them and condescend to them and tell them you know how they feel because they don't fucking know how you feel. Nobody will ever should ever tell you that. Just be there for them. And that's what these people have denied individuals, the chance to have people like us beside them. And see when this is done, mental health nursing, and learning disability nursing, we're on a new wave on this because we need to really, we need to push what it is that we do. So I know you asked me a simple question, but see at the moment, student nurse coming in, just embrace it all. Take the advice, listen to people and see when people tell you it's pish, just tell them to go and chase themselves and ask themselves, if you've lost your fire for this, go and find a fire somewhere else. The end. That's pretty good. That was pretty well said. Thank you. Do you know what? I'm I'm not going to dishonor what you said by adding anything on top of it because I'll be like, oh yeah, what he said, that was bloody excellent. <laughs> and this one time at band camp, I blew on this whistle and a small prick appeared and it had a badge on the end of it. I was like, hi, Matt. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. Listen, oh, I want God, to point sorry. out that I've just yeah. read through this feed, and John, you need to be aware that there are 64 questions asking if your cough is okay. And I have to say, my, right, my wife, my wife who's an anaesthetist, my wife who's an anaesthetist, I reckon she's actually trying to understand if you're actually an easy intubation or a fiber optic. I'm all right. <laughs> on that thing of the new mental health nurses the, the NHS has saved my life probably on more than one occasion and that's something that you guys do and should be a made, made aware of like you know and uh, you only get reflective about that many years later like you know but uh, yeah and you're doing it right now so you know as you say they're coming into something that, that they should be delighted to be there as, as much as mm-hmm. The hassle that's coming their way as well in that, like, you know. So, and my cough's fine. It really is. 
What do you expect when you come into a live pod full of nurses? <laughs> full oh, of nurses. That cough is pretty persistent. I wonder if John needs a drink. Has anybody... There's actually a quote here saying, I can get the NHS 24 algorithm so that we can check John's cough. <laughs> Stand down, people. It's your night <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was and also, hopefully, you're all too drunk to be practicing right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Um, the next question that we've got uh, for tonight in lieu of a medal, what reward would befit the profession of mental health nurses and nurses generally after this crisis is over? Um, I'm, I'm just going to pitch in there and say staffing numbers pay decent pension all of that guff all of the stuff that we've been saying for years and years and years what is going to befit uh this profession once this crisis over what is going to recognize the contribution that nursing has made to the health of uh the uk staffing levels Therapeutic staffing levels. Thank you, Becky, for that comment. Yes, we need uh, we need to have therapeutic levels of staffing, and to get those levels of staffing, you're going to have to pay people uh, a good wage. It needs to be a, a wage that I is set. on a par oh. with the graduate average. You're going to have to pay for people to train into this. You're going to have to do golden hellos because you've spent ten years, yeah. more than ten years, making the NHS a bloody hostile environment. Stop yeah. bloody doing that. Just grow up. Well, as Paula says, um, no bloody reward, just treat us fairly and with respect. And yeah. you know the other bit for this? I, I've got to give a shout out to the lecturers and the mm -hmm. academics in nursing because at, at, at a pivotal time in supporting their students, they've supported the NHS and supported services to bring students out of academia and to help support us in practice. And every single one of us who's registered has a responsibility. And shame on anyone who pushes a, a student nurse out of practice at the moment, regardless of profession. Because right now, in 20 years' time, they're the people who'll be looking after us. So let's be absolutely clear that I want to be able to share this experience and support them through that. Mm -hmm. But it should just be about actual respect. It should just be about actually understanding. And, 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 and the wider situation that's lost as well is the way that our colleagues in academia and other brother and sister trade unions, before this coronavirus pandemic hit, we had lecturers and tutors in universities around the country out in industrial action. And the mainstream media made absolutely nothing of it. Mm -hmm. Just like when our pensions were being attacked. Let's be absolutely clear. We are needed at the moment. So we are high, our, our, our stock's high. Let's use the metaphors that they understand in terms of the stock market and GDP. Our stock's high at the moment. We are, we're gold, right? They need us. But there'll come a time when they don't need us again. What they did with the army seven, eight, nine, ten years ago and living mm -hmm. in a military family and seeing what was done to the regiments in Scotland and how soldiers who'd served for a year were treated and then what they've done in education and social work services. Let's be absolutely clear that although we're here as nurses tonight, we don't stand alone in this. So what they really need to start doing is respecting the people who deliver the services that are essential to society. Education, health, social care. Because see if they don't, there will come a time that when they need it, we'll no be there. Mm -hmm. And PPE is the, the exact PPE, I reckon, could be the quicksand upon which they stand. I hope so. 
hope so. We can only hope because uh, I, I think one thing that is for sure. Sorry, I dropped my pen there. I had to, um, and and to to to, to share. I yeah. I have spent the last three four weeks watching my wee girl going to numerous three different nurseries, right, to get to a point where we've got stabilised care because of what my wife and I give, and we're not alone. How many people are in dual families who are key worker? How many? children have single parents who are going to work and exposing themselves on a daily basis to all of this to do their job. Do you think they want a medal? No. No. Do you know what I want at the other end of this? I want a couple of days to spend with my wife and my daughter to thank that we actually get through it. Yeah. Right. I don't want a medal or a wee badge. Right. And to be handed something by my daughter and told that she's proud of me and proud of her mum. And, and see that? that? I don't need a medal. Right? I don't want her growing up feeling that she needs to be grateful for what we do. Right? Mm-hmm. What we do, we do because it's what we were drawn to do. Yeah, and it's what absolutely. we do. But what we shouldn't be doing is doing it for a shower. Of, anyway, just, you know, give us well, the PPE. Well, it is, it is that thing of um, assuming that we can be bought off with, a, with shiny beads and baubles. And instead of this profession being taken seriously as a profession that that's the problem with it is is that if we accept those uh, those baubles and the gongs and and the the honors um then what we're doing is we're just going yeah that that's fine that's absolutely fine and and we do really need to collectively just say stick your fucking medal we don't want it stick well just stick it do you know what I'd rather Melt it have? it down and turn it into a fucking ventilator. Right. Do you, know, do you know what I'd rather have, Ed? I'd rather have an assurance that every single nurse, doctor, health person, anybody who in the public sector who lost their life doing the job that they were paid to do, that they loved, I would rather know that their families will live supported for, for the rest of their natural lives. Damn straight. Right. I would rather know that our brothers and sisters who've lost their lives, regardless of profession, regardless of where they came from, and let's be absolutely clear as well, this is a political party in charge who six months ago would have sent half of these nurses back to from where they originated. Let's be clear about the the, 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 nurse, the BME nurses mm-hmm. who are losing their lives. Disproportionately. Disproportionately. And they're yet to understand why that is. We need to be absolutely sure that those nurses' families are looked after. So you can take my medal and however much it costs to stand out to me, and you can put that back in the, that money back in the bank, and you can make sure that that money ensures that that family or that nurse or that doctor or that health visitor or that that person is cared for. Because mm-hmm. what I don't want to hear is, and I, and I make up, if I hear that one of those individuals' family is living in poverty or hardship then that, that's the day for revolution for our profession. Damn straight. If ever there was a call. And there's nothing more to be said on that matter. At which point, thanks, Stuart. Let's move on <laughs> to something bloody stupid <laughs> instead. And this is, uh, it's 20 John, how's 10. that cough? John, how's <laughs> yeah, that cough? Yeah. I, I need cough update. Oh. John, I quick, say something update. funny. <laughs> John, he's a fucking joke. Come on. <laughs> 22 uh, years. Surely, surely. John, tell us about... John, tell... Please, uh, can I ask this? John, uh, can, you, can you tell people about being driven back to the hospital? Please. <laughs> yes, please well, do. Perfect thing. Maybe, aye. 
So when I first started doing comedy, I, I, I'd also first became ill. I was in Cornhill. And <laughs> I trained there. I trained there. I trained there. That was a good six or seven weeks in. But I started to get better when I was in there. And I just started doing comedy. So they let me out. They let me out for a night to go and do an open mic night. However, I stayed out after curfew. And one, the comedians driving me back. It was a carload of comedians driving. First, they thought it was a joke. I was getting dropped off at Cornhill. But what got really weird for them was they'd locked the gates and I had to climb. And it's very rare that you see a man breaking into a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> <laughs> that was the scene was I climbing the gate of Cornhill. Let me in, I want the Alanzapine. <laughs> <laughs> I've missed my PRN. <laughs> <laughs> I, I demand to... my 10 and 4 right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got some very good memories of, of being at Cornhill <laughs> in a professional capacity. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I shouldn't, a, I shouldn't share too much, but I learned not to do the drug round because we were trying to be recovery focused. Um, we, we took the drug trolley into the, the, the patient uh, dining hall area. I, I won't mention what or anything, but anyway, a very good friend of mine who remains a good friend to this day. We were on a long weekend and we couldn't work out why all the fish were dying in the tank that was designed to make the patients feel <laughs> to feel calm. Because ah, they were dipping all their medicine in it. They were sedating I'm, the fish. Yeah. They weren't sedating the patients. Do you know what? When, <laughs> I, when I started my career in mental health, I heard that story. So, <laughs> that is really nice. So, so you can imagine me at the end of a long weekend with my E-grade going, listen, you two, it's been quite a busy weekend and all the fish are dead. <laughs> spent quite a lot of money on. <laughs> yes, yes, it's because we'd been spending, we'd spent the whole weekend giving lorazepam four milligrams to the aquatic tank. The marine life were dead. Yes. They were yes. dead, tell, but, but they were sedated. <laughs> and, and, and do you know what? My wee sister, my wee sister's now a, a, a staff nurse in the same hospital, and apparently there's a ledger with all these stories in it. I'd quite like to get that back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I suspect Stuart, she's probably hanging on to that ledger for a day uh, that she needs a favour of she needs, she needs, She's waiting till she needs a month for her mortgage needs to get paid, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's you. Now, I've got one more question to ask because I'm quite aware. It's 25 past 10. Thank you, everybody, so, uh, so much for sticking with us. But we've got one more question left. And this one was directed uh, to me and you personally, Stuart. It was, how did we meet? And was it love at first sight? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, I, I can remember actually the first time I met you uh, was at uh, RCN Congress uh, in Bournemouth. Um, uh-huh. And uh, and you were, was that your first year as chair of council? Um, chair of Congress. Oh, don't, I was chair never Congress, chair of council. God, God don't, ba- don't brandish <laughs> me with that. Sorry, you'll be there one day. Once you've got your OBE, Stuart, then you'll... Uh, <laughs> but that that was was that your first year as chair of congress in bournemouth uh yes yeah it was. uh oh, I, I, it was bournemouth bournemouth glasgow liverpool, liverpool, liverpool belfast liverpool belfast who's playing music it's me you're my first my last my <laughs> 
I will mute your microphone. But I, I can remember the, the first one because I'd, I'd been to Congress a couple of years before. Uh, Rod had been, uh, Rod Thompson had been the, the chair of Congress and you'd been deputy chair. And, uh, and, and I had something that I really wanted to say. And, uh, and so I came up to you in the break and said, um, listen, I've got this thing to say on the next item. Can you please make sure that I get up to, to be able to say it? And you just looked at me and went, what the hell do you want me to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> BJ, did I ever speak like <laughs> Where was Billy? He should have been keeping you away from me. You were having a coffee at the time. We were in the break. I walked up to you and I was just like, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> I remember the fact, I remember actually, do you know what's more remembered? It was the rap, it was the memorable. music one I did. That was it. It was the rap and I'm thinking, yeah. see if that man comes up here with an instrument. He's dead. <laughs> 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 because the only person who'd done that Wait was there. Andy Bassett Scott and I had to literally I had to literally say to Andy Andy I love what you do just don't do it in my watch anymore please <laughs> hey, it's a thing of beauty but find another outlet offer <laughs> it's do you know, I, 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 I've got to say, I, I, I do remember, I do remember um, the name Ed Freshwater becoming a regular at the lectern. Um, so much so that I've kept every single uh, book. BJ and I have given away some secrets here, and Rod's here as well. Um, you have you, you start the week with a notebook and you write the lists because you don't quite look at BJ's face. <laughs> List right? of gobby look at BJ's, look at BJ's face. This is how she knows it's true. Right? So you've got I've kept all four notepads, BJ, for my time as chair, and all four as my time as vice chair. So I have that's, both your discretions and Rod that Thompson's. That is not the face of somebody that's laughing. That is the face of somebody that's fearing for their right. pen. Right. So, so, and everybody who's been on the agenda committee knows this is true. It's like a wee annal of your time as chair and vice chair. And I have a note, I, I, I can say this with, and I, I have a note which in BJ's handwriting saying, seven, Ed Freshwater might want to consider cutting. <laughs> Seven times you've been in the queue. And then I've got an even better one that I wrote to Rod Thompson. Rod. <laughs> Who is this prick? No. <laughs> right, no. <laughs> Check out the young gun, the new generation emerges. <laughs> He's been up here more times than Ziba Arif. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's been up more than Ziba Arif. Come on. <laughs> oh, God. And BJ's rubbing our screen because she knows it's true. <laughs> Uh, what can I say? Uh, what can I say? This, this just proves to you that this is completely live and unscripted. I had no idea that that was true. But uh, I think, Stuart, you and I are going to have a conversation offline in a minute. <laughs> I also, in terms of blowing, in terms of being calm and, and, and being absolutely sincere, though, I genuinely, genuinely think that, uh, that, that the mental health nursing, the, the forum, and now's the time to say it because we are MN behaving badly and we're not affiliated to any trade union or professional organisation. But I have to say that mental health nursing and uh, having a, something to put your, your, your hang your coat on with your humour, um, you, you certainly brought a humour to Congress and you've not been my Kate Winslet moment that was on my first Congress with a woman playing music through the microphone. Oh, God. <laughs> Whilst all I did was go, I'm going to have to mute you now. I am going to have to mute you now. 
I am going to have to use nurses holding power to detain you now. <laughs> BJ, pass me the hammer. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, I, will, I will bring up uh, on that, uh, Stuart. Uh, I do remember that, that Congress extremely well. I do remember that, that point of, of the lady. She went up and, and she was not a nurse and she was making a, a, a point about an issue that was not related to the item uh, that we were discussing. It was somebody from a campaigning pressure group who was, who was getting up and, and, and wanted to get some exposure for their issue. Um, but they started playing sort of soft plinky plonky piano music oh yeah yeah everybody's oh, I, I uh, thought i was on the titanic yeah I mean, quite me- me- metaphorically yeah. and actually yeah well it was sinking but it, I, I was i was i'd actually joined the queue to comment on the item <laughs> you will be surprised can... to hear and do you know what there's I a didn't... few people whose names linda bailey included who's ducked out yeah. who was always at that bloody microphone <laughs> no the thing was in in the run up, whilst waiting for for my chance to potentially get up and speak to that item, I wasn't listening to the other speakers. I was skimming through my phone to find a piece of music that I could play in the background, <laughs> just to completely take away from it. And I've never had the opportunity to do this play before, Stuart. But I'm going to play. Let it. me be chair next. I, I'm going to play it up. <laughs> Ed Freshwater, voting member for. <laughs> <laughs> you're not taking this seriously that was all about whistleblowing you know yeah i know <laughs> god oh. it's ingrained in my brain I think, <laughs> i'm gonna share I think that with I'm... you now listen uh we're at the end of the night in a moment i'm gonna do the prize draw and uh and i want to say that uh I've decided what the prize is, Stuart. Yeah, I, we haven't even discussed this, but I'm going to send a bottle of this fantastic <laughs> stuff to the oh, winner right. uh, of tonight's. Um, it's Tamnival, and oh my goodness, it's the only thing that's kept me going tonight, apart from you know the conversation. Uh, but before I announce who the winner is, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to our, our wonderful colleague BJ uh, up there. Give us a wave, BJ. Thank you. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, now listen, last year I'd wanted to make it to Congress, um, which was your first year as, as chair of Congress. Um, I had a gift for you, but unfortunately I was, I was unwell. So I'd uh, packed it away and I was going to bring it to Congress this year for your second year as chair of Congress. And of course, it's been cancelled because of some stupid bloody virus. But I've prepared a little thing for you, which was, which was my little uh, hint of what would be helpful to you as chair of Congress. And it was uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, got you, I'd got you that. And I'd got you a gavel. <laughs> <laughs> so he BJ, wouldn't give me a hammer because I wanted a claw on the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Order. <laughs> and um, so, BJ, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get your details off you. I'm going to be posting that off to you um, after tonight. And I want to just say that the winner of, uh, of tonight's prize draw is um, Wayne Reed. Where are you, Wayne? I'm going to unmute you. Come and say hello. Are you there? Hello, guys. Hello. Hi, Wayne. Wayne. Hi. Hi, well, Wayne. I haven't spoke for two weeks. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. There's a bottle of this going to come your way, so I'll drop you an email and get your details off you, okay? 
Oh, great uh, stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, and that'll be £35, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're coming round your house right now with a baseball bat, Wayne. Yeah. What's your address? Wait, yeah. I'm just looking. Wayne looks like he's got double glaze and we can take the windies. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably got some nice stuff. That's a decent picture. What's enough doing with there? double glazing? He's not working hard enough. I know. That's terrible. Well, listen, it is, it is now 25 to 11 at night. I think we've kept yeah. these, uh, these lovely people for long enough. If we were going to edit this, this would be a five-minute podcast. I've got to say, there's been enough material in this to get us struck off. But Stuart, give us a... Uh, John, actually, sorry. Uh, over to you first. Give us, a, give us a parting shot from you. Parting shot? Jeez, you've really put me on the spot there. Of course I, I have. Just, yeah. If you Best don't give one that's funny, we're going to detain you. It's not a part in thought. I, I, I've been working with a wee mental health service down here recently, and I discovered that the only way you can get a bed in the northeast just now, if you're really unwell with your mental health, is to be sectioned. And I think that's an absolute disgusting. Again, you know, typically what this government has done to services. Uh, I used to find hospital a place of sanctuary. I'm lucky I've never been in the hospital for about 17 years, I think. But uh, if I ever became ill again, I'd want to go to a hospital. Because, you know, you get looked after. So, I, I, sorry that's not a joke. That was a bit, <laughs> a bit serious for the end. I just, <laughs> it's all right. We don't need a joke. We've got to see your hair. And how's the night been for you? How was it for it, you? How was it for me? It has been an absolute privilege to to spend the evening with everybody. I, I really do hope that we've filled a little bit of time for everybody. I sincerely mean it. All the planning that went into this. I know it doesn't look like it was planned, <laughs> but, 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 but there is some planning. And, and we genuinely appreciate, I genuinely appreciate the time to, to spend with such an amazing group of people who have been sending it's been hard reading the feed uh, at the side do you know it's been a tough few weeks and it buoys me and i i leave this situation recharged and reinvigorated and reminded of just what an amazing profession it is to be part of and that, that this podcast i think brings people together and i want it to grow and and I, I really hope that this isn't the last time that we do a live pod i hope that we can come back and do some more yeah and uh if you want to find out what we're doing next, stay uh, stay tuned, stay connected to our Twitter feed, um, which I'm going to give you the details on. For my part, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for being uh, a part of this. It's been wonderful uh, to do a live podcast. Stuart and I started doing this podcast in, in December, and it was basically because we were both so wound up. We wanted to do something that was, basic, uh, that, that was just a way for us to vent and... Um, it, who knew people actually wanted to listen to it people would give their time uh, to to download this and and all of that it's been uh, humbling and absolutely wonderful uh, to to be part of this and and to have you all logged in and listen to it and there is going to be another gig um i promise you that i can't tell you exactly when yeah, or who's going to be absolutely, on it absolutely but there is going to be another gig and on that um on that cheerful and positive note, I'm just going to say that's the end of this episode. And um, if you want to stick around for a laugh, I'm going to do the outro. I'll end the meeting. Thank you all so much and good night. Thanks, one Ed. Be safe, everybody. Be safe. Thank you for listening to this extra special, live and unedited episode of RMN Behaving Badly. 
A special thanks to our guest, John Scott. You can find him on Twitter at John Scott Comedy. We're at RMNBB Podcast. Stuart is at Stuart McKenzie. And I'm at Ed Freshwater. You can find out more details and all of our previous episodes on our website at www.rmnbehavingbadly.co.uk. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. And at some point, the video of tonight's show was going to go on YouTube. Links will all be on our website. Once I've recovered from all of this nonsense, I'm going to seriously need a coffee. Music for tonight's episode was by EpiJ and Kevin McLeod, as usual. Thank you to you both. This podcast is hosted at anchor.fm, which is one of the places you can subscribe along with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, SoundCloud, and many, many more. Basically, we're telling you to subscribe because it makes us feel good. In fact, please log into iTunes, leave a review, because not only does it make us feel good, but it helps other people to find the podcast as well. Thank you again for listening. Stay well, stay safe, speak to you soon. Boom, one take, nailed it. I'm just going to, bye, bye, bye. End the meeting now before I completely screw up. Good night, everybody.